Coming to you from LA Football Network, Will Decker, your host, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the madman, the heavyweight champion of Bruin football supremacy, Mr. Madman, to my right over here. And we're starting this podcast off with a bang, if you will, this year. We got a lot of great topics coming your way. Some transfers we weren't able to get into last week. A shining star performance, you know, in a bowl game, you know, a high school bowl game that we will get into as well. Some coaching, you know, moving on from the program. A lot of great things to get into today. And I want to say we are back with the Broom Bible. We're going to be doing two pods a week for the entire year. So make sure you're liking and subscribing the UCLA YouTube page and things like that. But before we dive into the madness of what this beautiful, beautiful podcast will be, I got to go to my friend, the Madman. How are you doing on this fine Tuesday? Doing well, Thriller. It's so great. Happy New Year. We're into 2023 and we're going to be spending so much quality time here with with the two Bibles a week over the course of the year and just can't wait to talk about UCLA year round. I mean, I feel like I talk about UCLA in my sleep, at least according (laughs) to my wife. So to be able to speak about it with you year round, it just feels right at home. So uh, excited about all of this, Will, and, and to be doing it with you is very special. Well, let's lead off with a topic that I think is Bruin football fans. They were dreaming it, and they saw it in real time. Dante Moore. I mean, we have talked about, you know, him play. You know, we created the Dante2LA hashtag on Twitter. This was something that we were all excited to get behind, and when we got him, it was definitely a big moment. But I remember you talking to you after we recruited him, and we were talking about the highlights. And I think one of the things we kind of both agreed on was, you kind of have to throw out the highlights because he's so much far superior to the other talent on the field than everybody else. However, this time it's a little bit different because he went to the Army All-American game. It's always the uh, the All-American game that I prefer over the Under Armour. I think it's got a little stronger talent. You know, the Army's representing this. It's a very solid institution. A lot of stars have come from there. Reggie Bush, Adrian Peterson, big names back in the day. And our guy, Dante Moore, I mean – he was the star of stars in this show. And just to give you a breakdown, 14 of 19 through the air, 156 yards passing, four touchdowns, got named the MVP. Madman, this guy had two touchdown passes in three and a half minutes of game time in the first half. Tame my expectations because Dante Moore, to me, after winning this, I believe he is the, the most hyped recruit UCLA has had, at least in the last two decades. Tell me where I'm going, because I am taking this all the way up if I can, because I am so excited to get Dante to L.A. So the first thing, Will, I'll say is breathe, breathe. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm right there with you, Will. uh, This was an electric performance. To me, I I couldn't agree more about the emphasis of that Army All-American game. I think it's the preeminent game in terms of this high school circuit. And it was, quite frankly... 
the most electric performance in that game that I have seen since Reggie Bush, since Deshaun Jackson was in that game, putting on a show. And so this was absolutely electric stuff against his peer group, against stars that are going to be playing at the likes of Georgia and Alabama and LSU and USC and Ohio State and Michigan, and the list goes on. And I think to me, Will, what separates Dante Moore at this age is not just his ability to read defenses, throw the ball down the field, his arm talent. There's a lot of guys that sort of have that element. I think what makes him just so unique and so special, it's the release, Will. I mean, when you talk about how quickly that ball can come out, it's absolutely staggering. The, the point at which the ball is sort of attached to his stomach, his upper chest, to the point the ball actually comes out. I mean, that sort of semicircle is the quickest release I have seen from a prospect his age in quite some time. His release, he, he said as much that he models his game after Trevor Lawrence. But what I actually see is a little bit of Aaron Rodgers in terms of release. I see a little bit of even winding it back Dan Marino in terms of release it's his release point will that makes him so special because there's a couple of different elements to be able to throw guys open you have to be really accurate you have to have a really strong arm but you have to go from anticipation to release very very quickly and that's where Dante Moore has really separated at this stage in his career and I think if he develops the right way and all indications are that he will. He's already moved into campus at UCLA, which just shows how committed he is to this relationship with Chip Kelly, how serious he is about wanting to win this job as a true freshman. And I think if the progression goes the way we believe it will go, I completely agree with you. He is the most decorated recruit UCLA has had since Troy Aikman And remember, Aikman was a transfer. This would be the most decorated recruit straight out of high school in quite some time for UCLA the last several decades. And the future is awfully, awfully bright with this young man. Dante to L.A. Now we have to change that hashtag. Will to Dante is in L.A. And now (laughs) let's see this era really take off. But my goodness, Bruin fans should be salivating about the prospect of Dante Moore playing as early as next year and the way he played in that game will and then I'll pass it back over to you I have a hard time believing with that level of talent that level of commitment the connection with Chip can Garbers take his game to another level can Schley take his game to another level can Martin take his game to another level I think they're gonna have to really blow it out of the water in spring ball for someone other than Dante Moore to be the starting quarterback for UCLA in the fall of 2023. Yeah. And that was one of the follow-up questions I had for you is really quickly, what percentage chance after the all American game, you saw the performance, you saw him be, you know, the best player on a field of all Americans, the MVP of the game out of a hundred percent. What confidence level do you have? I think we had him at 60% going into the game. How much has that raised since the performance we just saw? Will, for me, it's gone from 60 to 80. Um, I'm I'm 80% confident that he's going to be the starter. Now, obviously, he peaked in that game. It's a one-game scenario. It's a limited sample size. He's going to come down to earth a little bit. I'm sure Garbers 
and Schley and Martin looked at that game and said, okay, we got to get straight into the weight room, get straight on the field, really compete. So you have to give those guys their respect because especially in the case of Garbers and Schley, they're just older. They've been in systems longer. Yeah. They're a little bit more physically developed. So you have to, you can't go as high as say a hundred percent or 99% because you have to sort of give them their requisite due. But in terms of what I saw on the field, Will, with Garbers this year, and it was, again, in limited starts, I didn't see a huge jump from Garbers this year as opposed to, say, last year's Utah game. With Chile at Kent State, you would argue, you know, did he play? He's got the experience, but did he play quality enough competition where you can really maximize on that experience? And so to me... I just don't know about the ceiling of those guys. And I think if the fact that Dante Moore has already moved in so early, I mean, Will, we're basically in winter quarter right now. I mean, there's still, I mean, we're midway through the, not even midway through the academic year, the year before he's supposed to join and he's already here. I mean, it's January 9th, Will, and the guy moved in two days ago. So the fact that he's already here, ready to play coming off of that performance, think about the mindset there. The guy blows up, has a huge performance. You know, other guys would be thinking, hey, I'm in a good spot here. I'm just going to sort of walk into spring and be ready, walk into summer camp and sort of rest on my laurels from this great performance. And the fact that Chip wooed me so much and I'm the first, you know, like Nick Cannon and Mr. in Drumline where the other guys are like, well, excuse me, Mr. First Round Draft Pick. You know, the band director didn't come to my house. Well, the band director came to, to Dante Moore's house and the fact that he's still so hungry that he's moved in two days later, I think it's going to be awfully tough for those guys to beat him out, Will. I got it at 80%. I think 80% is reasonable. I think I'm, I think I'm still at 70% because sure. I, do, I do know how hard it is to just walk into a Chip Kelly system. It's a very complicated, complex system. And I do think there's some reason to that why Chip was so attached to DTR because DTR, you know, he had some great games. He had some bad games, but he knew that system like the back of his hand and he was comfortable trotting him out there. I think that's why he loved so much of DTR and they had that incredible bond with Dante Moore. It does help him coming right now, as opposed to, you know, when your traditional high schooler comes graduates and then, you know, takes the summer and gets to UCLA, he's going to be able to play spring ball. There he's going to be able to compete for the starting job. I'd like to think too, that chip, knew about you know Dante Moore coming in but he also said hey watch out for this Ethan Garbers guy right the Sun Bowl Garbers no slouch man we've we've done our Garbers bit the people that listen to this know we think very highly of Garbers Colin Schley I mean man he's going for the bronze medal at this point I think it's gonna be pretty tough for him to get in there I think Colin Schley is looking at his future going hey I can get a great degree at UCLA I can maybe into graduate school at UCLA and, you know, learn from Chip Kelly. Maybe I can become a coach if that's something I want to do. But, buddy, I, I appreciate you coming to UCLA. It's going to be really hard for Colin Schley to get on the field, but you never know. You never know. And going back to your Dante Moore point of his beautiful release, I think when coaches talk about the intangibles, you know, when they're looking at, you know, people recruiting them or going to the draft or whatever it may be, you know, it's, it's height, it's movement out of the pocket, it's things like that. Those have never really intrigued me as much because we'll have guys like Anthony Richardson that have all those things, and you can't really put them in the top quarterback group. For me, it's ball placement, it's feel, and it's awareness. And Dante Moore, if I was grading those at the high school level coming into college, he might be a 10 out of 10 in all of those. 
there's the plays that he had in the red zone. He had a nine-yard fade route to the outside, and Brandon Innes, an Ohio State commit. Just like you could not – I mean, that was an NFL ball placement, you know, throw right there. And then the even more impressive one was Tate, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Again, he, the Ohio State receivers got love in this game, so to speak. But Tate, over the middle, I think it was like a 25-yard touchdown pass. Blitz coming on the outside. And this is not your average defensive end. This is a guy that's, you know, an All-American coming off the edge. Moore stays poised in the pocket, delivers the throw with the pressure coming, puts it right on the money in between these defenders. And just the touch aspect that he possesses at this age. I saw it on tape. I said the accuracy is out of this world. And to see it at that level, I think this guy, I mean, it's crazy to say this, but I think this is the most hyped recruit we've ever had at UCLA. And we talked about this. So a lot to be really hyped about for Dante Moore. And Madman, this will translate to our next point. A lot to be hyped about in the transfer portal. I mean, we have a guy coming in that was nearly a 1,600-yard rusher last year, was the second in college football in forced missed tackles in Carson Steele, coming from Ball State and Mac school. And we made this claim last year. When Jake Bobo came to UCLA, we said this is the most underrated transfer that has occurred in college football this year. I'm getting the same vibes from Carson Steele when you throw on the tape. Six foot one, 215 pounds, has the burst. He's underrated in catching the rock to 29 grabs last year. Give me your initial take on Carson Steele, because I think there's an incredibly amount of positive things to get excited about with Carson Steele joining a loaded backfield as it is. No question about it, Will. And you alluded to it. There's no substitute for production at the division one college level as the best way to figure out what translates into your system. And when you just look at it from a production standpoint with Carson Steele, you mentioned it, the 1,556 yards rushing, 5.4 yards per carry, 900-yard games last year, and then top five in the country last year in forced missed tackles and yards after contact. And so when you put that together now with an Anthony Atkins, and then now you have this sort of hammer ability in short yardage, inside the tackles, having those tough yards, Think about on the road in Utah, on the road in Corvallis or Eugene or Seattle, where you need those tough yards to extend drives, to control the time of possession. You have those two hammers, and now you couple them with sort of the smoothness of a Harden along with the speed of a Keegan Jones. And now this running back room has all of the elements. They can hit you hard. They can hit you consistently with smoothness. They can hit you with speed. And so to me, Carson Steele is the steal of the transfer portal for UCLA this year. And I completely agree with you with the analogy to Bobo. He is going to be at the very top in terms of top two or three from a rushing yards perspective, from an output perspective, and one of those playmakers that Chip is really going to rely on. Because at the end of the day, everything begins with this UCLA running game. And when you look at the fact that, hey, Gaines and Mafi, and we're losing some guys up front, we've obviously replenished a little bit, but bringing in a Carson Steele, who, hey, maybe doesn't need the perfect blocking in the world to have great production and have great success is the ideal thing that we're looking for here for UCLA in 23. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy to say that we may have a better backfield as a whole 
when we're losing an all-time Bruin and Zach Charbonnet. It's crazy to say that, but you look at what these different running backs can provide. Adkins, goal line situations and, you know, different areas. This guy's got burst. He's 250 pounds. We've seen it. He had like a five-touchdown game for Army this year. Carson Steele is kind of that change of pace running back where it's I get a little shades of Christian McCaffrey, that Derry Sanders, if you will, where he's able to kick it out to the outside, show that burst a little bit and, you know, beat defenders in a way that you're kind of shocked by. It's a it's a it's a speed that you're, you take for granted until you watch on the open field. Harden's a little bit of hybrid of both. He can be used in goal line situations. He can be that change of pace back. And then Keegan Jones. Every time we ran that little screen pass to Keegan Jones last year, I felt good things were going to happen. And so you have the receiving back. You have every element, different pieces of running backs all in one room. And it's going to be so much fun to watch this play out on the football field in 2023 with arguably the best rushing mind in all of college football in Chip Kelly. I mean, this is going to be a treat to watch for offensive football fans like you and myself. So Carson Steele, a big get. We got another guy, too, Jordan Anderson, safety yep. from Bowling Green. One of the big issues that I've had personally, as well as a lot of UCLA fandom, is the secondary. We get a seasoned veteran, uh, you know, a safety. He had 47 tackles last year, four and a half tackles for a loss, and he had a sack. 180 tackles career, 11 tackles for a loss. Nice safety, um, made some plays. He's got one year left of eligibility. We played him in the first game of the season at Bowling Green. Showed some flashes. He's got nice NFL size. I think he's 6'2", 6'3", on the safety spot. Give me your initial take on Jordan Anderson because I, I like what I see from just, you know, initially evaluating. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's a huge position of need. We talked about the secondary struggles now the last two years, but then when you overlay that with the fact that we are losing Blaylock, we are losing Osling third, we are losing Azizi Hearn, he provides Anderson – much-needed reinforcements for that particular unit. And to me, Will, we saw him in the, the Bowling Green game in the opener. And I think what speaks more to even the statistics over the, the, the last three or four years in his career, I actually think the lack of some statistics speaks more volumes than the stats that he's accrued. Because if you go back and look at the tape of that first game, the Bruins really avoided throwing to his side of the field. And that's one of the things that is the, the greatest amount of respect that you can give a defensive back. And when you look back in that game and say, we had a fifth year starting quarterback in Dorian Thompson Robinson making his debut, wanting to make a big splash at home. We know how fearless DTR is. We know he's not going to be afraid to pepper the ball to, to different guys if, if he feels like there's an opportunity. The fact that Chip steered clear of Anderson's side of the field for a large portion of that game, and it was very conscious, it was very intentional, to me speaks volumes. I think on tape, he's a very sure tackler. Uh, I did not see many missed tackles at all over the course of his career at Bowling Green, and I think that's going to be really critical for UCLA in 2023 especially when you look at these offenses that they're going to be going up against in the Pac-12, especially when you look at another year of the McGovern system, it's going to be a lot of bend but don't break style of defense. And the way you can maximize bend but don't break and have it go in your favor is you got to be a sure tackler because you're, you're conceding certain areas of the field, certain spaces, certain concepts intentionally with the idea that, 
We're going to give you the six. We're going to give you the eight. And then we're going to make sure there's no more yak. And that's how you sort of extend drives and make more plays in the hopes of a turnover, in the hopes of a penalty, in the hopes of a red zone stop. So I think Anderson's tackling ability, as well as just his overall presence on certain sides of the field, to me, really jump out in a very positive way, even beyond the statistics, which were very sound. And I have to ask it because I get grilled about it on the website, but I mean, it is a member of the secondary. Call me crazy, <laughs> madman. I'm going to, I'm going to double down because it is not much of a bar to go above. Honestly, does a- the addition of Anderson with Kamari Ramsey back there, Jalen Davies in a second year of the system and Kirkwood entering upperclassmen. Is this finally, this is the year three of me doing this. Is this finally, on paper, the best secondary UCLA has had under Chip Kelly. You know, Will, there's many reasons why I love you. There's many reasons, okay? <laughs> and this is one of those reasons. And, Will, you are quickly becoming the Bill Walton of UCLA football. You know, when, when Walton, you know, it was the greatest charge in the history of the NBA. You know, he's the greatest <laughs> player since Michael Jordan. And, you know, and Dave Pash has to, like, calm Walton down over the course of a UCLA basketball game. I think, Will, I think you're absolutely right in one regard that the bar is very low. And so as long as... Could not be lower. As long as these guys can just play situationally sound football, as long as they don't have coverage busts, as long as they can be sure tacklers, as long as they don't have egregious you know, pass interference, defensive holding penalties, as long as they don't have unnecessary targeting penalties. I mean, as long as they don't lose the game for the Bruins over the course of the season, I think at the end of the year, we're going to be feeling really good about this secondary. And I agree with you. I think Davies has shown flashes. We've got Anderson. We've got Kirkwood. Let's see what else happens in the portal. Obviously with Ramsey, I think the ingredients are there. Let's see it on the field a little bit. I'm not ready to go, you know, Decker-esque and have a Deckerism uh, about uh, the secondary just yet. But I hear you. I see you. I acknowledge you, Thriller. And I think that there's an opportunity for this to be the best the secondary has played, certainly over the last three years and and over the course of the five-year Chip Kelly era. Yeah, and like the the point I keep coming back to, it's not like I'm asking them to be a top 25 secondary in the country. It's basically don't finish in the hundreds. That's all we're asking. Do not finish in the hundreds, you know? And Davies, stud. Kamari Ramsey, stud. It's going to be his first year starting. Kirkwood, you know, he had an up and down year, but I still believe in that talent. He was a high four-star end. If three of your four starters are high-level four-star guys and your other starter is now a – safety a productive safety at the d1 level call me crazy there's a lot of talent in that secondary you got to figure that out it it comes down to coaching at that point will i want shout out to the los angeles football network video producer michael mcclain because i want mikey mack while we're having this discussion to overlay our voices with that dumb and dumber scene when jim carrey is talking to the girl and she says so you tell, what are my chances? And she says, you know, is it is it one out of a thousand? And she's like, it's one out of a million. 
and Jim Carrey goes straight Yes, so you're telling me there's a chance. Saying there's a chance. That's the Will Decker analysis here when it comes to the UCLA secondary. You're telling me there's a chance because all we got to do is finish in the top 100. Man, it's not a huge ask. It's not a huge ask. And there's so much talent. So I'm going to ride with it. I think this is the year. And Brian Norwood better hope it's the year. Or he's going to have – you saying tarring and feathering – there's going to be pitchforks and flames outside this guy's house if it does not work out. So I hope it does for the sake of UCLA football moving forward. And I want to kind of go into some of the signings we've gotten. It, that was the 10th signing we have acquired in the portal, you know, joining Heimlicker from Penn, Oladigio from Cal. We got a couple kickers too, uh, Will Powers from Princeton, and we got Montana State kicker Blake uh, Glessner. Holstege, one of my favorites that we've gotten, uh, the Purdue left guard, Anthony Adkins, Colin Schley, as we mentioned, uh, Maliki Matavo, you know, from Oregon's a big one, and Carson Steele, as we mentioned. Madman, are there any other areas that you would like to add to the list of, you know, transfer portals to position-wise that we need to really address going into 2023? Because Chip is killing it, as always, in the transfer portal. Oh, absolutely, Will. I think he's doing an outstanding job, and I think the job's not finished to quote Kobe Bryant in terms of what's happening in the transfer portal. I see three areas, Will, where I think there's an opportunity to bolster a little bit. One is offensive line still. I know we, we talked about some of the gets, but let's not forget, we mentioned it earlier, three losses in terms of starters, three-fifths of the, the starting line when you talk about Gaines, Raekwon O'Neal, and Antonio Maffi. So there, there's more work to be done, I think, in terms of O-line depth. And so I think Chip and, and company are really going to be on the hunt there. I think the second area, Will, I love where we are, obviously, in terms of quarterback and running back and tight end. You and I have talked about this. I'd love to see another wide receiver commit. I still feel like we're a little thin in that room. I'm expecting big things in terms of a jump from Cam Brown, obviously TMA, Logan Loya. But let's not forget, Loya and Brown are going to be incoming seniors. So even if they do make that jump, what is behind them? Obviously, we've recruited a couple four-star kids, but I'd love to see someone come in that has more of an immediate impact for depth reasons and even to just push Brown and Loya and TMA for that wide receiver number one spot. I know we've reached out to some kids from Michigan State, Michigan, so let's see how that plays out. And I think in the days to come, really looking for that. And then I think we'll thirdly, is let's see where we are when it comes to Layatu Latu and Darius Moasau. You know, what are their decisions going to be moving forward? Those are kind of the two elephants in the room, if you will. Latu, obviously, comeback player of the year, led the team in sacks, incredible year. Moasau led the team in tackles uh, from the linebacker position. So when you look at those two guys, is it in their best interest to go and make the jump to the NFL? I would argue yes, given Latu's injury history and the fact that Moasa has played four full years of college football at a very physical position. So depending on if one of those guys go, if both of those guys go, or if both of those guys comes back, you may be looking to tap in to more of a linebacker from the transfer portal in addition to what you got, obviously, with Oladijo from Cal. So those are kind of the three areas, I think, where there's still some work to be done. Yeah, and those are all great points. 
offensive line uh, we've talked about in depth as just the lines dictate everything that goes right or wrong for your football team. So to strengthen the offensive line, I think losing Raekwon O'Neal to the NFL draft, a bit of a surprise, especially with how he finished the year. I thought he was fantastic, you know, in the last six or seven games for UCLA. So finding that left tackle would be huge, but you may already have a receiver that could be coming in. I don't know if you've heard Cal of all teams, J. Michael Sturdivant, um, a guy that had a very, very productive year for Cal, 65 catches close to 800 yards and seven touchdowns as a redshirt freshman last year was on campus this yes. past week for UCLA checking it out. So that could be a guy that we could keep in mind. Gary bright, Brian jr. Yes. You know, cross town officially entered the transfer portal today. Don't want to call that, you know, a, 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 an advantage for us because of the rivalry that USC and UCLA has. But if he's looking to stay in LA, I can't think of a better school on the West coast that he'd like to play in more than ours, given his ability and given that he'd probably be on the field immediately uh, as opposed to that loaded USC wide receiver core. So there's going to be help on the way for the wide receiver room. And Latu is another guy that it's crazy. He still hasn't declared for the draft. We're still kind of waiting. If Latu returns, I'm going to pose you a big question here. If Latu returns, is it bigger than the Charbonnet return of last year? Ooh, that's a great question. I think, Will, it's really interesting. I, As crazy as this sounds, I think yes. Because yeah. the, the way you sort of have to analyze it is not how talented the guy is individually or what his stats are in terms of what he's been able to put up or what his NFL prospects are or where he'll go down in UCLA football history. I think when you ask a question like that, the only metric that matters is how easy or difficult is it to replace that individual's production. And when you look at as great as Zach Charbonnet is, given Chip's just sweet spot of innovation, being creating a great running game, we already mentioned the quartet of great running backs that in totality make the 2023 running back room, arguably more talented than the 2022 running back room, just because that is Chip's secret sauce. But when you look at a lot too, and when you look at a guy who was basically a double digit sack guy for you, where are you going to get that? And obviously big hopes for the Murphy twins to take another jump and provide that pass rush ability. Muasau is much more of your roaming linebacker and is going to get a lot of tackles. But where else are you going to get that dynamic pass rushing ability? Oladigio, another very talented kid out of Cal. But again, he's more of that Romer linebacker. That pure pass rusher right now is missing on this roster outside of the Murphy Twins and anything that we've really seen in the transfer portal just yet. And so to me, Will, as crazy as it sounds, Latu coming back is a bigger deal in 2023 yeah than Charbonnet coming back in 2022 because it's just not that easy for UCLA strategy to be able to replace a double-digit sack guy. And it's crazy to say because Charbonnet, I mean, just an all-time UCLA football player to return this year. We have the games that just blew us away, the Stanford game, the Utah game. He was the best player on the field sometimes. But we talk about the most important positions on the field of football – 
quarterbacks obviously number one you could make the argument that a an elite pass rusher might be number two the way they affect the game you're directly affecting the most important person on the field at all times if you're good enough and latu brings that and liatu latu we talked about the double digit sacks i mean osa odigizua a very talented pass rusher that was drafted early he didn't even sniff 10 plus sacks at ucla this guy latu 10 and a half sacks and the stat that really blew me away from bowl season was he had the one sack against Pitt, but he had 11 pressures in the yeah. bowl game against Pitt. That was the most by any player in any bowl game this season. This guy is an elite stud, and if we get another year of him and the Murphy twins coming back, I think there's a chance we could be even better with the pass rush, and we've kind of just adopted the front four, uh, which kind of leads me to my next question. And, and Will, the last thing I'll just say there, if yeah. I may, is – Look at the state of the quarterback room in the Pac-12. Yes. And so yes. today, you know, Cam Rising decided to return. And Cam Rising, you could easily make the argument, is the fourth, no better than the fourth best quarterback in the Pac-12 going into 2023. Oh, when you look at Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, and now Cam Rising, throw in a Cam Ward, throw in DJ a DJU. DJU. Throw in DJU, throw in a Drew Pine from Arizona State. I mean, it's ridiculous what the depth at the quarterback position is here. Shadur Sanders, keep going. Keep going. Exactly, Shadur Sanders. The only chance a defense has in 2023 in this Pac-12, it's not going to be clogging the run. It's not going to be doing these things, playing sound in the secondary. The only chance you're going to have against these elite quarterbacks so many of whom are going to get looks in the NFL, if not all of them, is to pressure them, it's to hurry them, it's to get them off schedule. So not only is Leatu Latu the most irreplaceable player for UCLA in terms of just the pipeline of talent that's coming in, look at the context by which he's playing in with these elite quarterbacks. And the only way you can stop an offense is to hurry the quarterback and make the, him or him uncomfortable and really, right now, Latu is that only credible threat that UCLA has with hopefully the emer more emergence from the Murphy Twins. Yeah, and one hiccup where it may, you know, determine if he comes back or not, Chad Kauhaha, the uh, defensive line coach, yeah. stepped down. And he was the Washington defensive line coach when Latu committed there. He followed him to UCLA. This could be a big development in him potentially returning because – you know, like we saw with Adante Moore, they got a new offensive coordinator. It didn't click really well with Dante. So he flipped his decision. He went to UCLA. You know, who's the D-line coach for UCLA? It's up in the air right now. And will he even bond with a Latu? How much does this impact Liatu Latu potentially returning to Westwood for UCLA? It does very much so, Will. And I think you nailed it on the head. And I think it's a point that you bring up that I don't think a lot of people have brought up yet. And that is that existing relationship that Latu had from his Washington days. Because you have to look at it from Latu's perspective of what am I gaining by coming back? What do I need to show on film that I did not show this past season to maximize my draft prospects? And the only way I feel comfortable that that is going to happen is if I have stability at my position group from a coaching staff standpoint. And now that you see this turnover, you have to wonder that turnover combined with Latu's injury history, combined with the fact that he plays a very phys physical position on the field, 
you know, he was already on the fence. He wasn't one of these guys that said, hey, I'm definitely coming back. He wasn't one of these guys that just 12 hours after the bowl game said, I'm gone. So what does that tell you? That tells you he, he's weighing his options. He's still on the fence. He can kind of be nudged in one direction or the other. And now with the change at defensive line coach, that might just be enough to tip him over to go to the NFL. So it's going to be a very fascinating next three to four days. And I think, Will, it's an excellent point that you bring up. Yeah, Chip has got to be smart on who he brings at the defensive line coaching position. But, Madman, we've kind of touched the bases with everything going on for UCLA football. We've got another episode coming to you guys later this week, so make sure you're tuning to that. Like, subscribe to the Bruin Bible. We've got great things coming to you all throughout the year. We're doing kind of a new segment, too. We're going to be bringing on some more of the community we've been able to be a part of in the Twitter space. So lucky, lucky to really have some people coming in for us. Any parting thoughts to the first Bruin Bible of 2022, Will, it's going to be an exciting year, and the top 25 ranking just came out yesterday after the national championship game, and although it didn't feel like it, UCLA did finish in the top 25 for the first time since 2014. Only the fourth time in the 21st century the Bruins finish a season in the top 25. So it wasn't the outcome that we wanted, but we have some momentum now, and with Dante Moore, it's going to be very exciting. And, Will, the last thing I'll say is you and I joked about this offline at the start of the show. Maybe the greatest transfer portal get Alex Grinch, the inept defensive coordinator of USC, yes. staying at USC. So even as bad as things may be on the defensive side of the ball for UCLA, USC's defense is worse. It's categorically worse. And now that they have the architect back for another year, should make Bruin fans smile everywhere. Man, we might have to rant a little bit after, like on the <laughs> Alex Grinch situation. It's like Dante Moore, you know, above and away, the best thing that's happened to UCLA. Alex Grinch is like right under, under right. <laughs> Alex Grinch coming back just made our new year that much sweeter. A lot of great things going on. Tune into the Bruin Bible. We're going to have a lot of great things coming on for you guys. Bruin Bible, we are officially.